listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, New Chapel. Welcome to a brand new series that we're calling Just Getting Started. Uh, Maybe you want to get excited about this, but in a matter of weeks, on September 22nd, New Chapel is turning 10 years old. Isn't that awesome? God has been faithful, and uh, even though you might be new, we've been around a little bit, and and we're going to be talking over the next several weeks a little bit of a journey about how we as people, individuals, how we are getting started with God and how we as a church, we're just getting started. We believe that the best is yet to come. Amen, somebody? Uh, As I was praying about our 10th birthday and as I was praying about really leading up to it, I I had this question kind of come into my heart as I was praying about uh, New Chapel. You know, this church has lasted and and we've thrived. And and the question is why? See, we've we've seen other people uh, face change, and we face change, but New Chapel has been resilient, and we've lasted through all of that change. We've seen a lot of change in culture. We had to change locations. Uh, For those of you that don't know our history, we started out at the movie theater at Woodland Mall. We were there for two years, and we owned the website, mychurchsmellslikepopcorn.com. You're welcome. And uh, so we, we were at that theater for two years, and then we moved to a high school that was near uh, East Beltline and Leonard. We were there for just over two years. And in an unlikely series of events, we bought the old Rite Aid and, uh, and a little bit of a strip mall. And our journey, we, we've gone through a lot of changes. A lot of different things have happened. We've faced a lot of financial strain. If you start anything, you know what I'm talking about. You business owners who have started your business, it's not easy. And, and, and even though the church is a family, there's family business when it comes to all of this. And we face a lot of financial strain. We've outlasted a lot of church fads, a lot of things that have come and gone, gone in vogue and, and gone out of vogue. One of the things I'm most proud about is the fact that New Chapel not only survived the shutdowns, we ignored them. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Not to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that because other people closed their doors. They thought there was only going to be just a cut, and they ended up having to close their doors permanently. And we needed a lot of them. Make no mistake about it. I'm not in competition with other churches. We're fighting on the same team. But I'm proud that we lasted. You know, if somebody was to bet, they wouldn't have bet on us. Some of you guys in the room wouldn't have bet on us if you saw the, the ragtag group of people that planted this church. I was 26 years old. I wouldn't let a 26-year-old valet park my car today. <laughs> I'm kidding, but, but that is exceptionally young to plant a church. In fact, as I was considering these weighty decisions, I called up my former youth pastor and I said, hey, listen, I, I believe God's called me to plant a church. I believe I got to do this. This is something I need to do. And he said, you should not do it. God is not calling you to do that. You shouldn't. You're too young. It's too big of a task. It's not going to work. You're going to fail. And I take no, no delight in this, but his church is all but folded, and ours is thriving and growing, and we're baptizing. And, and that, contrast, that contrast is something that's been on my heart. I've watched more successful ministers than me, more well-connected ministers than me, some of the pets in Bible school or the favorites of churches that I've been a part of, and they've started a church. Some of them were pastoring at churches that were tens of thousands in different roles, not the senior pastor, but went out to go plant their church, and it doesn't exist any longer. And yet New Chapel, the most unlikely church to survive, we're here and we're doing so well. Why are we here? Why do we outlast all of that? Because if if you were to take a bet on us, and if I was to ask you subjectively, if you saw how we were early on, you would have been like, I don't see it. I don't know that this is going to work, Pastor Joe. But as I prayed about that question, what came to my heart was, that's the Christian story. Jesus started his church, and the church is worldwide, every believer, yes, but it's also the local church, yes, and it's also his believers, those that are following him. But he started this movement, and he started it in a very small way. It was humble beginnings for Jesus. There's many things I could say, but but first that really sticks out to me is God picked a tiny, obscure country that was being occupied by another country, Israel. He picked Israel 
to plant his son into is the savior of the world. And it doesn't make sense to me. Because if, if you wanted Jesus, who, who is the, the best philosophy, it's Jesus' philosophy. If you wanted to influence philosophy, you would have sent in the antiquity, in the ancient world, you would have sent Jesus to Greece. But he didn't. If you wanted Jesus to be around great architecture, to build empires, things that would last like four or 5,000 years, you'd send him to Egypt, and he would learn how to make lasting monuments. If you wanted uh, to learn about military force, you would have sent Jesus into the heart of Rome and the Italian peninsula to learn how to manage a country. If you wanted the best architecture, you'd send Jesus to Rome. If you wanted the best food, you'd send him to Rome. <laughs> Music, Rome. Painting, I digress. But the idea is... <laughs> God sends Jesus to Israel. God sends Jesus to a place that that Romans had a saying about Israel. It's the armpit of the empire. It was not the the great romantic thoughts we have about making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It wasn't like that in Jesus' day, and God chose to send Jesus there, humble beginnings. Second thing that stands out to me is Jesus lived 30 years. He gets baptized in water, starts his ministry. Now, his ministry was three and a half years, yes, But he didn't get all of his disciples at once. So he had 12 guys that he poured into in in really three years' time. He poured in his wisdom. He poured in uh, his principles, his code. And when he did that, the whole uh, cross and resurrection sequence took place. And he was out of here, and they were left. But but those guys, those those 12 disciples, they turned the world upside down. And that's exactly how... God does things. Oftentimes, he starts small, but he ends big. Acts chapter 4, the church was coming into town, the Traveling Salvation Show. Thank you, Neil Diamond. And in Acts 4, it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, here's what they thought. They perceived that they were from Pastor Joe's hometown. (laughs) They were unlearned, and they're ignorant. I want everybody to say ignorant. One, two, three. You just visited my hometown. They were unlearned and ignorant men, but they marveled. Why? They realized that they had been with Jesus. You've been with God. You might not know how to explain it all. You might not know the, the deep roots of theology. In fact, if you read the book of 1 Peter, Peter writes in there, and he says, the apostle Paul, he writes things that are hard to understand. Why does he say that? Because Peter and the original 12 disciples, they were country boys. These were ordinary people, and yet God used ordinary people to turn the whole world upside down. They affected the world. Acts 17, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. The world, the secular world, knew that Christianity was coming because it was changing people's lives, and that makes an impact. This gospel wasn't just something that affected the Jewish faith. It also branched out of Judaism and began to affect Gentiles. Those are people who are not Jewish. Anybody that's not Jewish, you're a Gentile. And it branched all over, and it penetrated like high highs and low lows. So so I told you I come from the North Country. Like, I got friends in low places. Those type of people got saved. But also some people that had a lot of influence got saved. In fact, let me read it for you. Paul is finishing up his book of Philippians, and he says, All the saints greet you. He flexes a little bit, and he says, Especially those that are of Caesar's household. Oh, yeah, I reached them, and they accepted Christ. <laughs> so think about it. Nero is the most wicked uh, emperor Rome has ever had, and yet both the pagan slaves and the pagan servants that are working for Nero in his house get saved because Paul's testimony, his witness is so strong. There's something about an ordinary and small beginning, and it really is the Christian story. It penetrates into great heights and to great depths. I saw other ministries prosper. I have friends that planted a church in Texas. Planting a church in Texas, I'm just going to say to you because you will under. it's easy, Okay. I could go up every Sunday if I was in Dallas and just go watermelon, watermelon, and you all be like, praise God, hallelujah, let's take, the South is a little bit different, and I had to watch some of those guys, and you know what's amazing? Some of them, I had to change it. I had to stop being jealous of them. I had to say, praise God for them. I hope they thrive, but you know, some of those guys that, that I thought had it so easy, even they failed. Others of them succeeded, for sure. But I've had people, since we planted our church, raise up, and they shot up. And they were everybody's favorite little preacher. And, and they were discipling their microphone. And they looked like they were eating that thing. And conferences, people were screaming, oh, my God, they're the best. They had code orange fever to the max. And now where are they? 
can't find them anymore. So why does New Chapel like, like outlast and have steady growth what others have shot up and gone down? And I'm going to tell you, it's not because of my polish. If I was God, I wouldn't have chose me. <laughs> How does God use somebody like me? Came from a disadvantaged childhood. I have an alcoholic parent. It was dirt poor. Dirt poor. If you, for those of you that still think that poverty is some sort of blessing or something like that, you've never been poor. It's a curse. It robs you from so much. And, and I had no ministry background. I'm the first one in six generations of architects and artists and designers to break away and join the circus. And, 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 and many of you don't even know this, but I only preached one sermon on a Sunday morning before I planted New Chapel. I was the most unlikely person that you'd say, you should go, you, that's the guy, you should go do that. That is what you wouldn't have thought about it. And that is really New Chapel's story. 1 Corinthians 1, here's, here's something that's very telling about all of us. God has chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. He chooses the, the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. That's New Chapel's story. It's the fact that ordinary, normal people, obscure backgrounds have come together to make God's church. And he uses foolish backgrounds and maybe foolish circumstances to build his kingdom. He often chooses the weak, the unexpected, and the overlooked because people like me know I can't do this without God. God, I need your help. I don't, I don't have this all figured out. As much of a strategist as I am, and I'm a planner, I'm still a person that yields to God's spirit all the time before we make any major decision in this church. I'm telling you, we're pursuing God because I don't know it all. And that is in contrast to the know-it-alls. The know-it-alls who think they've got it all figured out, they're self-confident and they're smug and they don't need help or wisdom from anybody. I'm telling you, I call up wise counsel regularly. Help me to understand this. What do you think about this? And and listen, I'm not trying to take a poll on it because it's not a popular, but I want wisdom. I want what God has for us. Amen, somebody? The truth of the matter is when you have that weakness and you know that you're, you're not all that in a bag of chips, you have this trust for God that says, God, I need your help. You have to show me the next step or this isn't going to work. And that's the person that I have found God talks to. You know, Kai and I, we love Joyce Meyer, not just for her deep voice, but uh, <laughs> I do love Joyce Meyer, Mama Joyce, because she yells at you nice, you know, and, and she'll tell, you know, with her deep voice, it's because she was a smoker. And when she started out her ministry, she was doing Bible studies and she had planned into the curriculum, smoke breaks. We should be like, all right, y'all go talk to yourself, small group types. You go and have, have a pack of Marlboros or Virginia Slims or something. And, and she'll tell off on herself. She'll tell you how she had a big old fight with Dave, you know, and, and, and she lets you in. And do you know that she's the most listened to woman on TV? Even when Oprah was on, she's always been a bigger deal than Oprah. She's always been more watched than any other woman on TV. Did you know that? And it's because ladies and, and even men watch that and think, I can relate to that lady normal. And she'll tell you, I didn't start off at the top. If it was just God using the most talented, the best looking people, the most well-connected, the most well-educated people, you would factor yourself out. You say, well, I can't do that. Look who God uses and then look at me. But God doesn't. He chooses sometimes foolish things, sometimes the weak to lead the strong. And that's a paradox that only God understands. So how does something like this happen? What made the early Christians bold? What made our church last and even thrive and see some of the results that we have What others have faded? And it's a simple answer. It's not simplistic. It's a simple answer. But I'm going to spend the next several weeks really unlocking this when we're on a journey toward our 10th birthday. And, and here's the simple answer. We are a people who live by a code. There are principles There are beliefs that are so deeply held, not just by the leadership of New Chapel, but by the families of New Chapel, so deeply held that even if it hurt us, we would not back down or back off from them. We are people at this church that live like a code that we will not not depart from it. And it's something that we believe in, and it's in our core. I love what what Jesus says in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. He says, I will build my church 
and the gates of hell will not overcome it. My church. So, so there were other churches at the time of Jesus. A church is an organized gathering of people with a common mission, okay? And so today we'd be like the Grand Rapids Football Club, the Moose Club, Knights of Columbus. You know, I mean, there's different, there's different um, sports teams, and, and that's a church. It's an organized gathering of people with a common mission. Here's what Jesus does. He takes it personally. He says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to have, yes, they're going to be believers. They're going to be church, but they're going to be, they're going to be an organized gathering of believers and no devil in hell, no, no, no demon can come against that. And so this code that we live by, this, this belief system that we fostered in from the Bible as we gather and we rally around that, it is so strong as a church that hell can't come against it. There's a protection on your family and on your life because Jesus takes it personally. Um, as we were planting the church, I was thinking about this this past week. You know the hard thing about planting a church is uh, there's no people. There's <laughs> nobody. Uh, the fun part about planting a church is that you can kind of like with whoever comes dream about the church that you want. And so we had an initial team of go teamers. Most of them have gone off. They were scaffolding, scaffolding to help build the building and they're off. And most of them, honestly, they're, they're scaffolding on other works. Praise God. God uses people like that. But, uh, I remember dreaming about what kind of church we were going to be. And as we were dreaming about it, we obviously we went right to the Bible and we're praying to God. And, and some of the things that God showed us, they became these defining principles that we fostered into the code that we believe. There are some distinctives that make believers and families in this church powerful. And here's my concern. As we're approaching our 10th birthday, and so many new faces are coming, praise God, and so many new families are coming in, we welcome you. We've been waiting for you, honestly. I don't want us to lose what God has called New Chapel to be because it's special. You have to know, like I have, again, I have friends in, in high places. I've got friends that pastor churches with thousands of people. And one of them last week, they're in Tulsa, the buckle of the Bible belt, you know, and, and, and thousands of people attend on the weekend. They said, hey, 20 people got baptized. And listen, I praise God at a church of thousands that 20 people got baptized. But a couple weeks ago at New Chapel, at New Chapel, 30 people got baptized in one day. What you are experiencing is a move of God. And, and if the Lord tarries in decades come by, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, that was a revival. God was on the move. That was special. What was, I was on the ground floor of something there. And so we can't take it for granted. And we need to get these principles, this code right in front of us as we press forward into everything God has in the future. Amen, somebody? And so what I want to do is I want to kick it off with the first principle, the first distinctive that I think separates us from so many others. Uh, what separates us and makes us unique? Write it down. Today's message is a passion for God's best. Many people want God's best and still others have passion. We marry the two, and I think that it is secret sauce for us here at New Chapel. We always dreamed of a church that, that people would love to come to, that they'd be excited about coming to. And I wanted a church that was passionate about getting together. When I grew up, I grew up in denominational church. And, and even when I was younger, I would have said, look, I agree with everything that guy says. I have no clue what he's saying, but I agree with all of it, you know. And, and I remember they'd be like, all right, Joe, you got to get up. We're going to go to church. And there's a scripture in the Psalms that says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And as a young boy, I was sad when they said unto me, let us go. I didn't want to go. I agreed with everything, right? But I just didn't want to be there. And, and I wanted to have a church. I wanted New Chapel to be, and this is what we dreamt about, a church that people actually enjoyed attending. They wanted to be a part of it. They didn't just want to go to it. They wanted to be that type of church, and, and we are passionate. Now, we wrote a, a vision narrative. It takes our little vision statement. We'll talk about it in a second. We, we really wrote it out. If you know Pastor Joe, I can add adjectives like nobody else. And so... We've never read it in a church service before. We have it as part of New Chapel Connect. It exists on the website. And I want to read this for you. And, and I don't want this just to be something where I'm reading you like poetry. I want you to get excited. I want you to respond as I read this. Are you all ready? Okay, the church that we see. Let me, let me give you a little picture. We see an attractive church. The world is desperate for something real, 
New Chapel is real. Our love for God is heartfelt, so church is not an obligation. We embrace godly tradition, yet we're not imprisoned by it. We see a people who have abandoned religion and fall in love with Jesus. We see a church who's not afraid to ask and answer tough questions. We refuse to shy away from tough subjects because our enemy doesn't shy away from tough situations. Our hearts are full of mercy and truth. We're driven by love. We're empowered by God's spirit. New Chapel knows God. We see a church who's not afraid of growth, full of those ready to take next steps of faith, full of those who decided to accept nothing less than God's best, full of those who are persuaded that God wants to use them to make a difference in their lifetime. We see a church where people experience the kind of fulfillment that only God can give. A church so refreshing to the community she serves that life change becomes the norm. The waters of baptism never run dry, and our buildings struggle to contain the growth. Come on, somebody. We see a church where God uses ordinary and exceptional people alike. Well, we welcome gifted and well-resourced people. We know it's the rank and file of everyday, ordinary go-teamers, group leaders, and church leaders that impact our communities. We see a church who serves selflessly to those who are far from God so that they can experience the freedom and joy only found in Jesus. We see a church that engages in life-on-life discipleship. We know lasting spiritual growth is realized in community. We see a compassionate church where people are drawn from impossible situations. Here they receive a hand up, not a handout. We're a church who gifts all that we encounter with the acceptance, love, hope that we were once gifted. We're a church committed to raising, training, empowering a leadership generation. We see young people, church planners, and pastors being sent from our family to change the world. We're not afraid to sow our best to search for lost people. After all, God spared nothing searching for us. We see a kingdom-minded church that counts whatever the cost and pays whatever the price to see revival sweep this land in our generation. And we know... We know that none of this can happen with our own ability. That's why we're committed to a life of prayer and dependence on the Holy Ghost. We see a church led by God's Spirit who makes Jesus famous and gives all the glory to God. Come on, somebody. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who you are. We are called to be a church that makes a difference. And we know that if we build the type of people that are all about this, we build a big people, he'll build a big church. I've never been out to build a big church. I don't need a bigger room. I don't need more people to preach to. Y'all are doing fine. In fact, one service was all right. But let me just tell you something. It's not about me. And I believe in building a big people. And as you grow, we are reaching people by droves. It's amazing. Yet... Jesus warned us that there would be a generation that would lose their passion. Let me read it for you out of Matthew 15. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So they're showing up once in a while. They're taking communion here and there. They're they're, they're maybe reading their devo on and off. Like they're there, but their heart's not there. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. We see so much of this in the church world today where guys are getting up and they're, they're giving their, their congregation self-help messages. And you don't need man's wisdom. If, you, if self-help would have helped you, it would have helped already. You would have helped yourself. You need the gospel. You need the, the life change that's found out of the word. And, and, and what he's saying is they're going to worship me in vain. In other words, they're coming in. They're like, okay, yep, this is good. And, and their heart's not in it. In a word, there's no passion in what they're doing. They've lost that. And, and that irks me. Can I be honest? As a pastor, it irks me when people are like, well, I just I don't express myself that way, Pastor Joe. Let me tell you something. There are things that you love. In fact, this last week, I found out that U of M is starting to practice with all of their gear on. Not because I follow U of M. But because of you, you, uh, you follow you and you're like, they, they got their pads on. It's, we're getting, we're getting closer, right? And you get all excited about, ah, 
ah, you know, and, and you get all excited when they start like going against each other. They're not even like a game against another. You're like, ah, did you see? Do you think whoever's going to do the thing? And you're like, yeah, and you get excited about that. And it irks me because like on Saturday, you'd be a 60 year old man, your shirt off and you've got like Michigan right across all your chest, your gross, saggy chest. You got the word I there, like, and then you come in a new chapel, you're like, well, I just don't express myself that way. (laughs) Baloney. No, you were raised in a religious church just like me. And you think you're really getting into it when your leg's going, you know, I can't stop my leg. I mean, like, this is you like in the spirit, you know? (laughs) Okay, here's a challenge. Well, you got that going? Just like, even act like you're swatting a fly. You you just (laughs) give it a... (laughs) And what's so crazy is people are excited and zealous. And back when I was a sinner, like I'd save up money to go have a party and sin, right? But like we get to, we're like, okay, better be good. You know, like, let's get it out of here, preacher. Like, as if we got to get excited about the house of God. Are y'all out there, everybody? (laughs) Romans chapter 12, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Spiritual fervor, that's that white hot boiling over. Come on. It's, it's, let's take on hell with the squirt gun. I'm excited about church. Well, Pastor, I just don't do it. Well, relax. We're not, I got to say that we're not your old church. We're not whatever, and I'm not casting shade. I'm just trying to say we're not them. And so we have to side with what God's word says about church, about worship, about how we, how we act towards one another. I've been at churches that were very traditional at a high service. Man, they were backbiting like crazy. So singing hymns don't make you holy. Sometimes they'll be shooting holes through you, you know, like you've been there, I hear. So Christianity, church is meant to be the most passionate thing that you do thing you're most excited about. And I am here to fan that flame because your Jesus wanted to start a church that was passionate and on fire and taking ground and changing lives. Come on, somebody. Okay. Well, we're on the topic of our old church. Okay. Y'all grew up and I like good art, but like some of the art from the Renaissance about Jesus is scary. His skin's looking gray. He just looks starved, you know, like so thin and gone, just angry look on his face. And why does he always got this going on? You know, like three chances is what I always saw. You know, like, and, and we picture Jesus as severe and we picture him as like, oh, man acquainted with sorrows. Yeah. On the way to the cross, you know, like, yeah, that, that was rough. But the Bible says you couldn't keep kids away from him. He's a kid magnet. Well, I don't know about you, but if there's some creepy weirdo creeper at the mall with three fingers hanging up, my kids aren't running from them. They're yelling stranger danger. They will straight up call out that person as they're walking by in real time. Kids have a no baloney detector. Jesus must have had candy in his robe or something. I don't know, but he must have been telling compelling stories. He must have been so fun and funny to be around, smiling all the time. Kids were, he said, forbid not the little ones to come unto me. He's like, let him come over here. I'll talk to him. He had his own kids ministry. You can read it. It's over seven times in the book of Matthew. He has a ministry to kids. And yet we see Jesus is severe and austere and upset about something, three strikes, you know, and like, That's not who he was, but he was zealous for God's house. Let me read it for you. This is in your Bible. John's Gospel, chapter 2. In the temple area, Jesus saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip. That's my life verse. (laughs) Jesus... What would Jesus do? Is that the love of God? He'd make a whip. He'd whip you. That's what Jesus would do. Jesus made a whip. Everybody said, amen. (laughs) Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove them out. He drove out the sheep, cattle, scattered the money changers, coins all over the floor, turned over their tables. Is that the love of God? Yep. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he says to them, he he says, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And then he says this, verse 17, then his disciples remembered. (laughs) There's a classic understatement. 
oh yeah, the Bible said he'd be pretty passionate about church. It's a prophecy from Psalm 69, passion for God's house will consume me. That this thing has to be right. We got to do this the right way. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to bulldoze people. At the same time, we're not going to be, we're not a nonprofit. They can call us that because they're trying to put us into their box. We're the mystical, eternal church of Jesus Christ. We are led by the ancient order of elders, eldership. In other words, we don't vote. You vote with your butt every week, but I'm going to hear from God. And if that rubs the cat the wrong way, turn the cat around. Because I'm here to tell you, I have to stand before God on a judgment day for you. And I'm on, like, Facebook with you, and I know how you live. And so, okay. <laughs> First service was nothing like this, mind you. <laughs> I want to be a church that never loses its passion. All right. So I, I did a Pastor Joe, I did a Bible study, and, and I looked up the word zeal and zealous and passion, and there were four big themes that popped up when I did this. And, and so I love it when the Bible just kind of writes my messages for me. And so um, I'm going to give you these four things, but these four things are both the things that like it, it's, it, people get passionate about, but it's also the four things that are easiest to, to let go. Or, or not water the plant, if you will. So, so I'm going to give you these four things, and I, I really think this is part of our code. These are the distinctives that make us who we are. Uh, write it down. Number one, we are a church that prays big prayers. We pray big ones. We've never, we've never, well, God, I, I just, at, just means barely enough to get by. God, I just, uh, no, we, we, we go after God in a big way. We are passionate about it. And in Western Michigan, I grew up the same way you did, where prayer was reverent. And there is a place for reverent prayer. I get it. But it was, it was severe for me, especially when I was young, where it's like, bow your heads, close your eyes in the presence of God. It was like, oh. And then we start praying, and it's like, this is poetry. This is these and thous. I'm not trekking with any of it, but I agree with it because I don't want to go to hell. And, and we, we have been trained to be reverent, and I want you to be reverent. There's something about reverence we need. But also, we get the idea that prayer is so heavy that we think somebody else is going to take care of that. And we factor ourselves out of, of talking to our God. And I'm telling you that you need to be a person, because that's what a church is. You need to be a person that prays faith-filled, big, Holy Ghost prayers, asking God for big things in your life. Well, now I lay me down. Well, you're putting me to sleep with that prayer. Like, I just, I just stop reciting poetry to God. Talk to your father. And while you're doing it, you don't need just or just natural results. No, you need heaven to open up. Some of you, I know, you're facing big things. You need breakthrough in your life. So stop asking for less than what you need. You need a breakthrough. Pray to God for the breakthrough. Ask him, trust him in faith that, God, you're going to move big on my behalf. Say amen, somebody kind of tied to that story that we were reading about Jesus turning over those tables, uh, different gospel, but in Matthew 21, Jesus says that the scriptures declare that my house, my temple will be called a house of prayer. Like we are supposed to be a place that you can come and lean in and pray to God. Well, how do we pray, Pastor? Well, the Bible calls it in James. He says that it needs to be fervent prayer. James, it says the effectual fervent prayer. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be leaning into not just, oh, God, well, I just, I'd be wondering if you could. And we thank you for this. He knows that you like the day. So you don't have, like, you could even skip it for a while and get into it and do, y'all hear me out there? And I'm not saying you can't thank him for the day. Like, don't tweet that. I'm just saying, talk to God about some of these weighty things that are happening in the government. Uh, what's the government? The doctrine of demons, okay? Like, talk to God about what's happening in your family. Talk to God about what's happening in your school system. Talk to God. He'll open heaven for you, buddy, but you can't pray these vague prayers and expect him to fill in the blanks. No, we got to pursue God. And so uh, I am a strategist. I'm a person that plans out a year in advance, believe it or not. And at the same time, I'm a person who, I'm the weak leading the strong, right? And, and so I, I need to hear from God. This past week, I was writing this message, and as I was writing it, kept on feeling like, man, we got to call for a prayer meeting. 
we got to get the church together and we got to pray and we got to, there's some big things that our church has uh, on the horizon. There's some, some uh, doors that appear to be closed. And, and I'm telling you right now, we need God. We don't need natural results. We need supernatural breakthrough. And so here's, here's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm reading my sermon on Saturday, uh, the final bit of it. I left at 1 o'clock, way later than I normally do. Started on Thursday, felt that way. Uh, on Saturday, I'm leaving, like, should we do a prayer meeting? And I get ready to leave, and a blue truck pulls in front of me, blocking me in, and it was Pastor Tommy Pinkerton. Okay. If you don't know Pastor Tommy, he's a nut, but he's our nut. He's an evangelist, he's a preacher, and he's preaching at my buddy's church in Zealand. And I said, what do you think about being held over? He said, sounds old school, I'm in. And so on Monday night, we are having tomorrow a prayer meeting here at New Chapel. We are going to worship. It's not going to be like our, our prayer meetings in the past. It's going to feel a little bit more like a church service, except it's not. Uh, we're not going to be taking even an offering in this time, so like, don't be afraid of that. We're going to come, have some worship. We're going to pray, do some business in the spirit, and then Pastor Tommy's going to talk faith to us and yell at us a bit. And, and <laughs> some of you need to be yelled at. And so, um, so we're having a prayer meeting tomorrow night. Is there child care? I think. So, Yes? Kaya said yes. And so, um, so bring your kids. What if I have to come straight from work? I don't know. Maybe we'll have pizza. I have no idea. But we are going to pray. Doors are going to open at 630. And we're going to have... Is it okay that I just call for a prayer meeting like they did back in the day? Is that all right? Okay. I, I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Write this down. Let's make prayer our first response, not our last resort. Some of y'all are like, man, we did everything. I guess we should pray. no, no, no. Let's pray first. Let's win the war in the spiritual, and then let's get to work. Amen, somebody? Okay, I got to press on. Y'all are keeping me over too long. Okay, our church is passionate. Number two, we don't withhold our praise. Now, it's taken forever for New Chapel to have the worship culture that we have. It was so awkward the first four years. It was like going to the, I don't know, the... Shriners for church. It was just sterile. And, and we have so much spirit and heart. I think that Cami and David and the whole team have done a great job. And that, that, yeah, why not, right? That worship culture, it's never been better. But I'm going to tell you that worship culture in Western Michigan, again, it's, it's sterile, you know? And, and you got to break out of that. If you come from that background, and, and you're new to this church, you're new to what, and God's, God's doing something in your life, right? I'm going to just challenge you. You don't have to do it my way. Side with the Bible. Even, even if you were raised, I'm not throwing shade on them. God bless them, and we need them. But if you choose to do it the Bible way, that's what's going to work in your life. And so I'm not going to withhold any. I'm not, I'm not going to give more excitement and praise to a 19-year-old that I don't know on a Saturday and withhold any good thing from my God on Sunday morning. And so what do you do? You need to do what the Bible says. What does the the book of Psalms say? Clap your hands, O you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Exactly. So you're like, well, I I don't like being loud and stuff like that. Well, you're going to hate heaven. Let me just tell you. Trust me on that. In fact, when Jesus comes back for his church, the Bible says he's going to descend with a a shout. He's going to come down with a shout. Well, I just don't think. Well, church is going to be a lot different than you think. (laughs) So you ought to get ready for it now. You ought to say, God, you are awesome. You're, don't withhold from him. He's amazing. Some of you encourage your kids who are in track. Track. What are you running from, right? The track. You can do it. You got. And yet you get in here, and you won't be like, God, you're amazing. You saved my family. We're not going to hell. We're like, well, you put my feet on a rock, and you bless me. You, you're, do you see it? And so we have to be those people. And here's what Jesus says. He says, if you're going to love me, Matthew's gospel, I'm sorry, Mark, he says, you got to do it with everything. If you're going to love me, you got to do it with all your heart, all your soul, mind, and strength. We're not doing this little half-staff thing. We've got we to lean into what he desires for praise, what he desires for worship. Oh, I, just, I never raised my hand. Listen, I didn't either. I grew up in the same church, but different. And we had a deacon that if anybody would lift their hands, he would take taken a rubber band and pop that thing down so quick. But... So I get it. I didn't come from this background either. I wasn't free. But you have to break some things. You have to do it for yourself. You have to do it for your kids. And you have to praise God. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, 
all my inmost being praise his holy name. He's telling himself, you're going to do it. Because I don't always feel like it. I don't come in here to work and be like, praise the Lord. I mean, just, it's not all Cammy and David being like, take the hill. It's a lot of normal everyday life. And so I have to say to myself, God, I'm going to praise you despite what I feel like. I'm going to give you the praise that you deserve because what you've done in my life, you are God. There is none like you. Some of you are looking at me like, he's on fire today. Darn right you are. Wait till next week. I'm on fire and I'm fixing to fan that flame in your life because this church was built on a code. And that code has made us who we are. Uh, there's this uh, military base. I think it's Camp Lejeune. And uh, don't drink the water there, as I've heard. But um, Camp Lejeune, uh, and, and they've got these, these fighter jets. And, and they have to take off, but they take off over this expressway. And when they do it, they kind of hit that sonic boom. And it was so loud that people on that expressway, they, they, were, they were driving, and the boom would hit. And they, they'd start hitting the guardrail, getting into accidents, all kinds of stuff. And so the military says, well, we've got to do something. So they put up a sign. And here's what the sign says. It says, pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I know who I was. I know where I came from. I shouldn't be doing it. I'm so sorry. But I got to get loud. Oh, he's getting crazy. I'm so sorry. Pardon my noise. It's the sound of a son of God who's been set free. Give God praise at New Chapel. Come on, somebody. Gotta, just got to pardon the noise. <laughs> Woo! Write it down. Let's give God what he deserves. Not what we feel. Who cares what you feel like? He's God. You give him the praise he deserves because of what he's done. Wow. Got, got to press on. Number three. Our church is passionate. This is true. And we stand for what's right, even when it's not popular. I'm telling you, God will stand with those who stand with him. And we've had to make hard decisions when churches were closing their doors for months and years. We didn't do that. And I am terribly proud of that because it hurt at the time. There were people that, that were sitting in your seat that left this church who thought I was being reckless by doing it. Don't forget, the news media painted this out to be like 1989 Batman at the museum, like that green fog, okay? We didn't know. It was not popular. We don't, we know now. <laughs> Throw that out there, <laughs> but... <laughs> So, I mean, we opened our doors during the pandemic, and we're able to actually stop, 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 stop. We kept our doors open when it wasn't popular. And though some of those people left, I got to meet so many of you. For some of you, you know what it's like because your church outright closed. It doesn't exist anymore. And again, we needed them. But the truth is this. We stood up in a world that was bowing to Nebuchadnezzar. And we said, I'm not going for that idolatry. Even the pastors have no right to close the doors of their church. This is Jesus' church. He's the leader of this church. And so we're going to do what's right, even if it hurts us. Even if it hurts a little bit. I could preach a whole series on just this, but we are not going to follow the pattern of this world. If the world says one plus one equals seven, I'm not going down that world. That's hysterical. It's wrong. And there are other churches that are following that junk and they're compromising, thinking that they're reaching people, but they're not reaching them with the gospel. They're reaching them with a false gospel, with an empty hope, and it's carving out the hearts of people. We are not going to do that here because God's word endures forever. Write it down. Let's side with timeless and tested over popular and easy. I can't promise you everything that God is calling New Chapel to do is going to be easy. In fact, I can guarantee it won't be. But it will be worth it. It'll be timeless, tested, and God Almighty will see you through. Number four, we're passionate for people. Truly. Our vision, we're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Like, we're for people. We're passionate. This would be, by the way, number one on God's list. He's all about his people. He's in love with his people. And, and he is in love with us in this room, but he's not just in love with us. What does it say in John? He says that he so loves 
the world. He so loves, like he loves you. And, and God doesn't have to make the discernment in between reaching you and loving you and loving them. He, lo- he loves you. He so loves them. There was a moment, uh, Kai and I took our kids to a theme park, and I was in charge of our 175 kids that we have. And, and for just a second, I couldn't find one of them. And parents, you know what that is, where it's like, like just that panicky thing hits all, you're like, oh, I'm going to kill somebody, you don't even know who, and... and you're in the movie taken in a moment, like going straight Liam Neeson anointing. And then they came out, they were hiding. (laughs) Keep me on my toes, everybody. (laughs) Parents, you know what I'm talking about? That's exactly how God feels about his kids that are outside of this building. He loves them. He's thinking about him right now. And at New Chapel, what do we say? We'll do anything short of sin to reach people. Anything short of sin. You want to have a crazy raffle on Independence Day? Let's go. I'm your pastor for that. (laughs) We'll do anything short of sin to reach people who are far from God. How do we keep this passion? If you're discouraged, if you're bored, if, if you're hurting, you probably are focused too much on you. You say, well, Pastor Joe, what I'm going through is real. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just saying that life that you're looking for, you actually have to give your life away for it to be drawn to you. So you might be too focused on you. We're, we're a church that's focused on people. It's not all about us. So don't claim a chair here. Well, you didn't know, you stupid fool. That's my seat. And so if you could just... Hey... There's no assigned seats at New Chapel, even if your name ends with Bevilacqua. You understand me? There's one name that that matters at this church, and it's the name above all names, and it's the name of Jesus. That's all that matters here. Okay. Now, if you lost your passion, God doesn't say, well, that's okay. I still love you. No, he holds it against you. I want to show it to you. Revelation 2. Some of the last words Jesus says. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. So you were in love with God. You thought you could take on hell with a squirt gun. You were were investing in, in, in your kids' spiritual growth. You were, I got something against you. You turned your back on that. And here's how he deals with this. He doesn't say, so you're dead to me. That's religion. He says, so think about it. Consider how far you've fallen. Another translation says, remember from where you've fallen. You remember what that was like? You remember where you didn't have all the answers, but you still you knew God was on the throne? He says, consider how far you've fallen. And here's the most life-giving, freeing words in the Bible. It's not painted that way by religion, but it is. He says, turn around. Repent. What am I going to do? I th-? He says, just turn around and do the things you did before. You don't have, I got to figure this out. You don't have to figure anything out. Just turn back that direction. He'll fill in the gap in that. But if you don't, there's a consequence that's paired with this. It finishes with a warning. He says, if you do not repent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that thing that was on fire in you altogether. You're not going to invest in that. You're not, and you've been confronted with it today. You're not going to... Listen. There are places where you can play God games, just not with God. And so he wants you to turn towards that and be like, God, I don't get it all. I don't know how my heart got to the spot. I had a lot of things come against me. Maybe I'm bitter. Maybe I'm hard heart. I don't understand it all. But listen, I love you, and I'm turning that way today. And, and that's where there's freedom. You don't want to get to that spot of burnout. We need to be a passionate church. The churches that get to that spot where they're going through the motion and we're still going to, okay, here's the Lord's Supper, but their heart isn't with the Lord's Supper and they're still preaching messages, but it's not for people to connect. When they get to that spot, that's the same people that close their doors, by the way, because the fire's out. What are you saying, Pastor Joe? A lot, to be sure. I'm saying that God has more. I'm saying that you need to be a passionate person and you need to serve your passionate God. I think that we as as a church at New Chapel, we need to be the passionate people of God. And here's what I know. When you get turned on that way, you'll be unstoppable. And and as for New Chapel, we're just getting started. Are you with me? (laughs) Heavenly Father.
God, I pray for my church and I pray for them where they're at. God, I know that some of them are in that spot and they know they got to turn and go back to their first love. Got to pray that today they'd make that decision, that they'd re-up their commitment. They might not understand everything about it, but they want to turn toward you. God, I thank you that you'll reignite that flame again. Lord, I pray for people in the sound of my voice, also, God, that need a breakthrough. And when we talk about praying big prayers, they need that that, that change, that difference to be made. And God, I pray that you'd move strong on their behalf. God, I pray that they'd get a word from you tomorrow night at prayer meeting. Lord, I pray that you'd move mightily in this church as we reckon back to our code. Lord, I thank you that you'll move through it. God, I pray that those people that are in the sound of my voice that have heard this message and it resonates, but they know that their life's not right with you. Help me to find them in Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just just for another minute. If you came in here and it resonates with you, you might even agree with it, but you're like, I need a relationship with God. I want to give you that opportunity. And I'm going to pair it with a warning. The Bible says that the Spirit of God does not contend with man for long. In other words, there's moments like this that come in your life. And if you don't leverage these moments, you could miss the moment. So if you need to, like, get your life right with God, the only way to do that is through Jesus. Well, how? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's when you call Jesus Lord or boss over your life. When you're done, when you get to the end of your rope and you're done being God, you realize that you're an awful God. You might be a great person, you're an awful God. And you put him in control. The Bible says that you're saved. The Bible says that he makes all things new in your heart. That means, yes, you'll go to heaven when you die. You'll avoid hell. This is true. But the peace, the joy, the resolve that you're looking for, it's available in your Christian walk today. And that's on the other end of amen. We're going to pray. If you say these, these words and as you pray, if you mean it, the Bible says you'll be saved. If you say this like it's religious poetry, my friend, you'll leave the same way that you came in. Church, let's pray it with those people who are praying it for the first time. Pray it out loud with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised Jesus from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Wow. Let me pray for you real quick. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.